Listener Production. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Australia's number one daily sports news podcast, The Scorecard. I'm Liam Flanagan, and this is your fast, fun, week-ending hit of sport for Friday, the 27th of October. Today, Eddie Jones' future as the coach of the Wallabies still up in the air, a who's who preview of Australia's weight for age horse racing championship, the Cox Plate, and England get caught out of their crease once again. But first... By reaching the semi-finals of the FIFA Women's World Cup earlier this year, the Matildas started something. Don't you know how talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper? A revolution for women's football in this country. And last night, the revolution continued. Let the good times roll. In front of a sellout crowd of 19,000 at HBF Stadium in Perth, Australia took the first steps to qualifying for next year's Paris Olympic Games with a comfortable 2-0 win over Iran. Cuts it back, they're queuing up in the middle. Iran is there again, Carpenter! And the player we were just talking about, who sets the bar so high for the Matildas, opens the scoring. With a new look starting 11, resting the majority of their first-choice stars, Ellie Carpenter, who was unreasonably blamed for the World Cup semi-final loss to England earlier this year by gutless trolls on social media, opened the scoring for the Tillies in the first half. But from there on, it proved slim pickings as Iran solely focused on not conceding a cricket score. She's embarrassing me. But in the second half, in front of her home crowd in her hometown of Perth, the superstar Sam Kerr came into the game off the bench and did what she does best. Catley's ball, teasing ball, and there it is. Sam Kerr. Who else? At home. Back in Perth, back on the score sheet. It's the substitutes that make the game safe. Kerr's 65th career goal for the Matildas secured Australia the much-needed win and puts them on a path to the Olympics in Paris next year. And while coach Tony Gustafsson would have loved a more comprehensive victory, in the end, a win's a win, and the women's football revolution rolls on. Australia take on the Philippines in their next game this Sunday. I don't know if he's been given this moniker before, but I would like to bestow a new nickname on Wallabies coach Eddie Jones. You do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Eddie Hokey Pokey Jones. What do you think? Let me explain why. In 2001, Eddie Jones jumped in to coach the Wallabies. In 2005, Jones was shown the way out of coaching Australia after a run of poor results. Then earlier this year, Eddie was brought back in again to try and lead the Wallabies back to some sort of rugby union relevancy. Not that it did much good at the World Cup. And a result 69 years in the making. Sees Fiji beat Australia. So he's in, then he's out, now he's back in again. And to say he's been shaken all about is an understatement. But I know you blokes think we can't do any good, so, so don't ask any questions, boys. Just be, be the pessimist you are. Keep Australian rugby where it's been. Keep it where it's been. Complain about players that, that don't get selected. Keep doing about that, because it's fantastic, because we love it. The ongoing uncertainty surrounding Eddie's coaching position with the Wallabies and his potential alleged plans to rejoin Japan's national side is relentless. And despite his best attempts to reassure Australia of his commitment to see out his contract that runs until the end of 2027, Eddie looks headed for the door once more. I should never have come here. The Daily Telegraph is reporting that Eddie's time is up once more after Rugby Australia parted ways with, quote, a range of Wallaby staff, including highly respected general manager Chris Webb. 
Many of the staff reportedly let go were people directly brought into the setup by Jones himself, including basically the entirety of his assistant coaching staff from the World Cup. So it would appear Jones is the next domino to fall. Are you worried you're going to get sacked? Uh, no, no, not worried. I don't control those sort of things. All I can do is coach. Yeah, I went to the World Cup, came in a short period of time, had to make a decision on, on the team, made a decision we needed to go with youth. And whilst the results of the World Cup weren't the results we wanted, I think I've left left the Australian team in a great position to go on to 2027. But for now, the hokey pokey man is currently in the UK preparing to coach the Barbarians against Wales. Meanwhile, New Zealand and South Africa will face off in the Rugby World Cup Grand Final early Sunday morning. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around That's what it's all about <laughs> Many would argue it's the greatest two minutes in Australian sport. But whatever way you look at it, tomorrow's Cox Plate at Mooney Valley is a can't miss. But it's Animo clear, I've thunderstruck late, Animo holding on, Animo this time for the big A. And while I can't tell you who will win the race, I can give you a slight peek behind the curtain and let you make up your own mind based on what you see. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. me. Fine. As usual, the race is run over 2,040 metres under weight for age conditions. The winner of the race will take home a cool $3 million. 12 horses will take to the gates for the 102nd running of the plate. And here's the reality of the race. The favourite normally wins. Weeks three corners, Ben Battle. Weeks is staving off Ben Battle. Now, when I say normally, I don't mean every year. But over the century and a bit plus history of the Cox Plate, 41% of the races have been won by the pre-race favourite. And more recently, six of the last eight contests have seen the favourite trial. So by that logic, the horse which should win the race tomorrow is Romantic Warrior. That's a pretty name. And it's a pretty good horse. Coming to Australia from Hong Kong with a massive reputation and with top jockey James McDonald aboard tomorrow, it should be there when the whips are cracking. But its first showing in Australia didn't live up to expectations. Two legs, three legs, West Wind blows and Sulcum, but it's all Gold Trip. Gold Trip has bolted in the Turnbull. West Wind blows second, Sulcum third, and Romantic Warrior four. And while you might say a fourth place in the Turnbull Stakes isn't so bad, no horse in the last 15 years has placed outside the top three in its final lead-up race to the Cox Plate and gone on to win. Okay, I'm confused right now. Whatever you decide for tomorrow, remember to gamble responsibly. And before we finish up, who can forget this moment from the Ashes earlier this year? That's another short ball. Oh, now, this is going to be interesting. Johnny Bairstow's walked out of his crease here. This could well be out. I don't think there was a call of over. Johnny Bairstow's ducked and then walked out of his crease. Alex Carey's just thrown the ball at the stumps and hit them. Aussie wicketkeeper Alex Carey running out England's Johnny Bairstow at the non-strikers end during the second test of the series. From the Australian's perspective, it was a clever cricketing moment that helped Australia go on to win the second test and ultimately retain the Ashes. But from the English perspective... That's not... You can't do that. You can't do that. That's illegal. After a lengthy whinge fest in which England again and again cited the spirit of the game as a reason the run-out should never have occurred, everyone eventually moved on. But last night, with the Ashes' lost family behind them, England were out to attempt to revive their ODI World Cup defence against Sri Lanka. But once again, 
they got caught out of their crease. Oh, hello, hang up. What's happened here? Accuracy in the throw. Most importantly, the presence of mind. Kind of waited a second, didn't he? Sri Lankan keeper Kasal Mendes did his best Alex Carey impersonation and threw down the stumps at the non-striker's end to run out Adil Rashid, who, just like Johnny Bairstow during the Ashes, wasn't paying attention. They never learn. Unlike in the Ashes, however, the run-out proved inconsequential as Sri Lanka chased down the Poms' pathetic total of 156 with almost 25 overs to spare. Hope you enjoyed that one, Piers Morgan. And that is your fast fun here to sport to wrap up another week. I'm Liam Flanagan. Catch you Monday on the scorecard.